The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome once again in the name of Jesus Christ. We're online only, of course, this morning, and we are looking forward to being back together. Our hope is to have some kind of in-person service again on Sunday, December 13th. So for this Sunday and the next two, we are planning to be online only, but we'll keep you posted and apprised as the situation develops. Many of you have been quarantining and attending online only since March. And others of you, we've had a chance to reconnect in the room for a while now, so it's, it's hard to return. It's difficult for all of us, of course, but I pray that this service is a blessing to you, that it's an encouragement, and my hope is for all, each and every one of us, to one day get to worship in this room together again. I hope you'll especially join us next Sunday because that is the first Sunday in a new season and series, Advent Restoration. Ben is going to be kicking us off on Sunday, November 29th in a brand new season of Advent. I love Advent every year. It's a time to celebrate and anticipate the arrival of Jesus, both in the incarnation and in the second coming. So I hope you'll be sure to join us online, send a link to your friends. Advent Restoration, the first Sunday of Advent, begins next Sunday here at the Springs. But that means we are finishing up Revelation, Citizens of a Different Kingdom. This is our 10th and final sermon in this series, and we've seen a lot. Revelation is John's vision, his apocalypse, and we have seen with John a lot of things. We've seen that we are resident aliens, that while we live in this earthly city, we belong to a different kingdom. We are citizens of the New Jerusalem. We've seen the contrast between the ways of empire and the ways of the slain lamb. The empire cannot hear. God hears. The empire, the beast, lives and dies by the sword, but the church dies and lives by the cross. We've seen that God's judgment is cause for hope. His judgment of Babylon because God wins. And so once again this morning, we look and we see with John alongside his vision in Revelation chapter 21, beginning this morning in verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, 
we gather even as we are scattered and we gather under the lordship of your name, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus, we give thanks to you for who you are, for all you've done, and especially this morning for your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. And Lord, I ask for the gift of preaching. I ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this gospel truth to us today. In your name we pray, amen. Revelation is John's vision, and we've seen a lot. We saw, especially at the heart of Revelation, is the slain lamb. And Ben preached memorably in Revelation 5 of looking at the throne of God, looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah, and instead we see a little slain lamb. You might remember Ben's illustration that morning when he talked about how disappointed he was and how his expectations fell short when he finally saw the Mona Lisa. This little overhyped painting that couldn't live up to all the expectations he had. And I've been thinking this past week about sites that do live up, about the things we see that actually do fulfill and even exceed our expectations. In particular, I've been thinking this week about the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is truly one of those things, one of the few things in the world that actually does not disappoint, that lives up and exceeds all that you expect of it. Some of you have been, some of you should plan to go the next time you get the chance because it really is, it's a sight that when you see it, it changes the way you see Because looking into that canyon, standing on that majestic rim, you see all the world really is and can be. You see this sublime, earth-shattering vision. And when you see it, you start to see differently. Revelation is about seeing. Apocalypse means to unveil, to pull back the curtain to disclose, and we see the world for what it truly is. And this morning in Revelation 21, we see with John something so marvelous, so wonderful, that it meets and exceeds all our expectations. We finally see the new Jerusalem. We see God's holy, eternal city, and once we've seen the new Jerusalem, it changes the way we see So let's look with John, beginning in chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The first earth, notice, has passed away. Unlike Hades and death in chapter 20, it hasn't been destroyed, but it's passed away. And so there's this tension of continuity and discontinuity in this scene, in this text. There is both the old earth that has passed away, but it hasn't been destroyed. 
and the new heavens and the new earth have come in. But notice also the direction of what's happening. Notice the direction of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It's coming down. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Maybe you've heard that acrostic for the word Bible. People will say B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. I'm sorry if you like that across it. I do not find it helpful. I have problems with probably all the words in it, but especially before leaving earth. For too long, we as Christians have assumed that the end of the Christian story is leaving earth for heaven. It's not. John sees the ending here in Revelation 21. And the ending of the story is not Christians leaving earth for heaven. It's the new Jerusalem coming down. It's resurrection. It's new heavens, new earth. Now, of course, when we die in Christ, I believe we go to be with Jesus. We go to be in heaven with God. But that's not the end of the story. That's the intermediate state. Right after that is resurrection, is new heavens and new earth, is the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. The end of the story is God's holy city coming down. And isn't that the very movement that began with the life and work of Jesus? Isn't that the exact way that Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Christian hope is not to fly away and float off to some distant heaven. The ultimate Christian hope is for God's new Jerusalem, God's kingdom to finally come fully here in the new heavens and the new earth that he creates and renews. That's what God is doing in the world. And that makes all the difference for what we do and act and believe and say in the world. Right? What we believe about the direction of salvation makes all the difference for how we participate in God's mission. Right? It, it makes all the difference. Think about this coming week. This Thursday is going to be Thanksgiving. And does it not make all the difference in the world if you are preparing to take your family to someone else's house where they're going to host or if you're preparing for the masses to descend upon your castle. It it makes all the difference in the world. You prepare in much different ways if you are planning to go to somewhere else or if you are planning to host at your place. In the same way, the direction of salvation makes all the difference in the world. We conceive of God's mission and our place in it in vastly different ways when we believe and think and see with John the direction of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven with God. So what else does John see? Well, 
in verses three and four, he says this. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Notice again the direction. It's not mortals going to be with God. It's God's home among mortals. It's God coming to dwell with his people. And that word dwell is wonderful because it's the exact same Greek word, dwell, that the Gospel of John uses in chapter 1, verse 14, when it famously says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Tabernacled is the literal Greek. Tabernacled among us. What began in Jesus continues and is finally fulfilled at the end of God's plan. God's dwelling with us in the incarnation, in Jesus, human and divine, God's dwelling with mortals begins in Christ and is finally perfected and fulfilled forever in Revelation chapter 21. But I want to pause this morning on verse 4 because I don't want you to miss the weight of it. One of the best things about being a preacher, I think I'm sure Ben would say the same, that one of the joys of getting to do this job is getting to sit with texts slowly for at least an entire week. And as I've been sitting slowly with Revelation 21, I've realized that I think verse four might be the most hope-filled verse in the entire Bible. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. As I sat with that text this week, I thought of you. I thought of many of you, and I thought of the tears that you've cried. I thought of the deaths you've endured. I thought of all that's been lost. Jobs, friends, marriages, sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, fathers, mothers, grandparents. This past week in America alone, we surpassed 250,000 people lost to this virus. And Revelation 21.4 says that death will be no more. No more mourning, no more crying, no more tears. It's unimaginable. It is John's vision, and it is a vision that when we see it, it changes the way we see what's around us because I think it's probably the greatest thought that we can't even think. Imagine, if you're young, a life without anxiety for the future. Imagine, if you're old, a life without regret for the past. Imagine no more sadness. 
It's a beautiful picture of hope. And when John sees it, and we see it, this vision of the hereafter forever changes our vision and action in the here now. Finally, in verse five, John says this. He says, and the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. During our first lockdown back in the spring, the very first sermon that I preached from my living room was Ecclesiastes chapter one. (laughs) Basic instructions before leaving earth. Whoever said basic hadn't read Ecclesiastes or Revelation. It was a depressing text, Ecclesiastes one, particularly verses eight and nine, if you remember. It said, all things are wearisome. More than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. Nothing changes. Nothing gets better. Everything that is is as it was. There's nothing new. That's Ecclesiastes. But Revelation 21 is an answer to Ecclesiastes 1. Ecclesiastes says, all is wearisome. There's nothing new. And the voice from the throne says, see, I am making all things new. All things wearisome in Ecclesiastes becomes God's all things new. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new and everything that is is wearisome, but God says I am making all things new. And notice once again the continuity and the discontinuity between the first creation and new creation, right? Because as one commentator says, God doesn't say I'm going to make all new things, He says, I'm making all things new. Not destroy this and make all new things, but make all things new. That is what God is doing. He's taking all things wearisome and nothing new under the sun, and he's finally enacting the renewal of all things. This is the vision given to John by God once you see it, changes the way you see the world. J.B. Priestley was a 20th century English writer, playwright, novelist. And he came to America and he saw the Grand Canyon and was apparently quite taken with it. He was quite impressed because when he saw the Grand Canyon, he eventually wrote this about the Grand Canyon. He said, if I were an American, I should make my remembrance of the Grand Canyon the final test of men, art, and policies. I should ask myself, is this good enough to exist in the same country as the canyon? How would I feel about this man, this kind of art, these political measures, if I were near that rim? 
every member or officer of the federal government ought to remind himself with triumphant pride that he is on the staff of the Grand Canyon. If you are in Christ, you are a citizen of the New Jerusalem. And once you have seen with John that great future city, you know that now we see and measure everything else by the New Jerusalem. We are citizens of a different kingdom right now, and so we live according to a different municipal code. We live according to a different founding charter, a different constitution, the constitution of the kingdom of God. And the direction of God's kingdom is not us floating away into the ether, but it is God's holy city coming down. And now that we have seen this sight, we know that there is no tear that will not one day finally be dried. There is no darkness that can finally stand against the everlasting light of God's eternal city. There is no death that will last when God's kingdom of eternal life finally comes. And so we are changed. We don't prepare in the same way. We live according to a different city. And the reason we do that is this. John Howard Yoder, he said, we are not marching to Zion because we think that by our own momentum we can get there. We are marching to Zion because when God lets down from heaven the new Jerusalem prepared for us, we want to be the kind of persons and the kind of community that will not feel strange there. We have seen that city with John. And we know now that we live according to the charter of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so we know that one day every single tear will be dried. One day death will truly be no more. And one day all things wearisome will become all things new. And so we say, come Lord Jesus. We say, come Lord Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the faithful witness. We say, Jesus, come and bring your kingdom here. We are preparing to greet that holy, eternal city when God is finally all 